welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 7th of August 2016, entitled Problems and Provisions, and the Bible reading is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1-10. to Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 would like to begin reading in verse 1 and read down through verse 10. I invite you to stand in honor of the reading of God's holy word. Second Corinthians chapter 12 verse 1 says, It is not expedient for me doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth, such an one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such an one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any med should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake, when I am weak, then am I strong. Father, I thank you again for your word that's before us this morning. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. Lord, we pray that you would speak to the hearts of men, not just to the ears only. May we hear that which you would have for us today. And Father, you do know the need of each individual here. May you meet those needs for your glory, your glory alone. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Problems are something that are very, very, very real in life. And I guess one of the toughest questions that we have to answer sometime is why? Why? We looked at what I hope was a very practical thought last week on when we come to wit's end, when we come to the end, when literally our wisdom is drowned out, we don't know what to do. But as we look at what I hope, continuing a bit along that theme today, problems and provisions. Problems and provisions. As we look at the illustration that is before us here in the Word of God, we find, of course, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth. And we find that as we begin to look here that 
he is expressing to them about a problem that he has in his life that God hasn't chosen to remove. Now, there are a lot of things and a lot of reasons that we can face problems. Sometimes we bring plenty of problems on ourselves. <laughs> we just, we can do some pretty stupid things sometimes, silly things. And then we, we know the consequences sometimes. We know exactly why that we have to, uh, to deal with them because we put ourselves there. Sometimes we face problems that are just unavoidable. We don't know of any specific stupid thing that we've done. We've tried to do the best we can, and there are just these things that come along in life that are really, really hard for us. I think the hard thing sometimes is when we face those unexpected things that we may never, ever know the reason for in this life. I began to think of this passage was just one that came to mind as I was thinking earlier this week because we shared with you last week, of course, that young Dylan, 14 years old, uh, dying of cancer in Scotland, Bill and Sue Lewis's grandson. And of course, just uh, and over the past few weeks, a couple of conversations with Bill and, and, and the thing that, uh, that he mentioned there, of course, is just that they were still praying and they knew. They hadn't given up. They knew that God was still able. But you know, why? Why would a 14-year-old have to go through something like that? Whatever they did, all the medical things they did, they tried all the chemos and they tried all of the, the different treatments that could possibly be done, but the tumor just continued to grow and the cancer continued to spread. And you know, when I, I sat down writing a note, and I said, you know, sometimes there just aren't any words because we don't know. We don't know everything. We don't know why we go through some of the things that we go through in life. We know without a shadow of a doubt as we've been singing about all morning, we know that we can trust in God. We know that he has the ability, the power to do anything. There is nothing that is impossible with him. So why some of these problems in life that we just don't have an answer for? But I just want to remind you this morning and hope being an encouragement to you that there's nothing that you nor me nor anyone else can do to stop the problems. And sometimes we will know the answer as to why we're facing that problem that we've brought on ourselves. Sometimes it's just things that are unavoidable that we did everything that we possibly could have done right, but something happened that was wrong. Sometimes problems come that we just simply have no earthly idea why we're having to go through it, why we're having to face it. And of course, we've all known people that have been in situations, either ourselves or those that are close to us. <laughs> Brother Dave, I remember one time you asking me a question just off the cuff in a, in a conversation because somebody that we both knew's wife had been diagnosed and things didn't look good. And Dave asked that same question that we all ask sometimes, why do bad things have to happen to good people? Why do bad things have to happen to good people? Well, as we look at this this morning, let me give you a couple simple thoughts on the Apostle Paul. Because, see, he had a problem in his life. And the Bible doesn't tell us what that problem is. And I, and I think there's very, very, very good reason for that. And that's why that, uh, he compares it to a thorn in the flesh. And that's why I asked the guys to go out. I meant to, uh, to do that before the service. But... Uh, 
I wonder who would be brave enough here. If I said I need a volunteer to show us this morning just how brave you are. And I want you to close your eyes and reach out and grab this as hard as you could and squeeze it. <laughs> and hope that you avoid it. Why? Why would that be so challenging? Because there's lots of those things called thorns on there. Now, I can look at them, and I can know that they're there, and that's the thing in our lives sometimes. We can see all these problems. We can see all these things out there, and we know that they exist. But it's when it gets personal. You see, with Paul, it wasn't just even, well, I've got a little bit of that in my finger now. Thank you, Lord. I'm sure there's a good reason for that. I got it stuck to my coat. If you don't believe they're sharp, just grab this thing. <laughs> you guys did good. <laughs> But the Apostle Paul said it wasn't just a thorn that was somewhere hanging around in his life. It was a thorn in the flesh. Now, who's ever grabbed a hold of a thorn, hopefully unexpectedly? I hope you don't go grabbing them intentionally. Who's ever had a thorn stuck in you before? Yes? If you haven't, I can offer you the experience right now. <laughs> and I can tell you it's very, very real. And the thing is, that thing is so sharp. But I mean, even when you just begin to touch it, it's painful. But if you stick that thing in your flesh, now think about that for a moment. Because that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. I have a thorn in the flesh. It's there. And we'll look at those words in just a few minutes, but I want you to, and I'm going to lay that right there. And if anybody really feels like you want to experience this morning's sermon, it's there for you to see what a thorn in the flesh really feels like. But I want you to notice as we come down to that, before, before the Apostle Paul tells us about this thorn in his flesh, and I think there's very good reason that the Bible doesn't tell us specifically, and I've heard many speculations over the year, but I want you to notice, first of all, how this passage begins in verse 1. It says, it is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. You see, the underlying theme of his life is what we see here. Now, the today, everybody here, if I were to ask you what is that underlying theme in your life, why you are who you are, why you do the things you do, because whether you have spelled it out and know exactly what it is, there is a theme in your life. There is a reason that you do the things that you do. Now, Paul is saying that there's an underlying theme in my life here. It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I remember reading a story about a man called Theodore Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt. Anybody ever heard that name? He was one of the presidents of the United States. I mean, and, and that's a pretty important job to have. Teddy Roosevelt was told by a, a, a friend of his how that they used to go out into the garden oftentimes at night, just when it was time to maybe go to bed. And that they would go out there and they would, they would look up at the stars and they would look into the galaxy and said that Teddy would say this to him. says, that is the spiral galaxy of, a, of, how do you pronounce it? 
<laughs> I can usually say it without any problem whatsoever. <laughs> Andromeda, <laughs> the spiral galaxy of Andromeda. And uh, he was went on to explain that it's as large as the Milky Way, over 100 million galaxies. It has 100 million suns that are even larger than our sun. And you said, well, what's the point of all that? Why would he want to go out and look at that? said, so then Mr. Roosevelt would grin and said, now... I think we're small enough to go to bed. <laughs> now, I think, you see, the man had one of the biggest jobs in all of the world. And all he was doing is going out there and looking at God's creation, and he was trying to look out there and even, even spot one galaxy that was even as big as ours, and it had more sun than ours, and it's just the, the phenomenalists out there, and it just remind him of how small, how tiny, how insignificant that he really was. Well, when we think of God's work, most of us would agree that the Apostle Paul was pretty important. <laughs> he was pretty important when he wrote more books than anybody else in the New Testament. He was one of the apostles that went out establishing churches and that, that foundation of the churches around the world. God used this man greatly, and he was an enemy of the cross before that God saved him. But you see, I think that it's important. First of all, do we want to understand the problems that we're facing in our life? Do we want to get through those problems and be able, as he said, to be able, what was that? I take pleasure in my infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions. Do you want to get to the point to where you can actually look at the things that trouble you, the things that are a problem in your life, and rejoice in them. Well, I think, first of all, we have to ask ourselves, well, what is the underlying theme in my life? You see, for the Apostle Paul, it was not to glory. It was not for people to see what a good apostle that he was. It was not for people to see what a good job that he was doing. It's not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. It doesn't make any difference. You see, sometimes it's hard for us because we like for others to see us as so self-efficient. We can handle it. We can do it. Let's, let's say, for example, that, uh, that that piano there needs moving. Well, I could just be so determined. I mean, I'm a strong enough man. There's no way in the world that I'm going to ask for any help. I'm going to take this thing, and I'm going to carry it up on that platform by myself. It used to be up there, by the way. You just saw us getting it down. Amen. <laughs> Problem is, I probably would struggle to even lift this piano by myself. I won't show you. <laughs> but then, by the same token, if I call all these other men in here up here to help me, guys, let's lift this thing, and we could do it together. Well, the thing is, the first instinct is I may not want to admit that I actually need help, <laughs> that I can't do it by myself. I remember reading the story of a, of a lady who actually taught some kind of literature, reading, writing type, type courses, but she had a picture hanging in her office, and it was a picture of a turtle on top of a post. People come in and scratch a turtle on top of a post, and that had this prominent place in there. And so she was asked, why do you have this picture of a turtle sitting on a post in your office? She says, because when I start thinking that 
I'm doing a grand job, that I'm doing a good job, and look what I, she said, I always look at that picture, and it reminds me, that turtle didn't get on that post by itself. <laughs> There's no way that turtle had help to get there. And so that was just a reminder. Well, now, Paul has a thorn in his life that's a reminder to him of some things, but the reminder was that he couldn't do it by himself. He wasn't big. He said, it's not that important for me that people know me, that people know who I am, that people know what I do. Because he goes on to say, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. You know, I just, want, I just have a, a desire to, on the one hand, know him better and be able to reveal him more to others. The underlying theme to the Apostle Paul's life was not that he could even be recognized as a good apostle, as a decent preacher. Matter of fact, he said, you know, that he, he, he wasn't very good at, at, at speaking whatsoever. He said that his bodily appearance wasn't very attractive. He couldn't come speaking in all the fancy, flowing, intellectual words, even though he was a, a very intellectual man. The apostle Paul wasn't concerned about glory for him. The underlying theme of his life was that God be glorified through him. I'm asking you this morning, when you go through the problems in life, well, before you get to those problems in life, where are you going with your life? You're going to face problems, but where is your life headed? What's the theme? What's the purpose? What's behind it? Is it to be successful here? Is it to impress other people? Is it to let other people know how grand a job that you're doing, or... Is it that you might genuinely know God better and be able to reveal him more to others? That's exactly what the Apostle Paul is saying to us. Hey, it doesn't matter what you think of me. What it matters is what you think of him, and I want my life to be able to understand and know him enough. How much time do you really genuinely spend a day? dare I say, with the Lord, getting to know him better, getting to understand him better. You see, this is a book of revelations that God has given to us. God isn't giving you revelations through all those things out there. Now, God has revealed himself through his word. And God wants to reveal himself to this world through you, through the Christ that lives in you. The underlying theme of his life Secondly, the unquestionable testimony of his heart. The underlying theme was that God be glorified, that God be seen, that God be known in everything. His unquestionable testimony, he goes on to share with us in the next few verses. <laughs> He's not even sure. He said, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth such an one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. How that when he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Paul said, look, I've spent time with God. <laughs> Some of this stuff I don't even understand. I don't even, I don't even know if I, was, if I was awake or if I was asleep, if I was in heaven, if I was on earth. I've been with him. Doesn't matter the location, the geography of it. I've spent time with him. I've spent time with God and the things that I've seen 
Why, I, I can't even express those things to you. It's unlawful to even speak the words to be able to, to tell you what he's shown me. Folks, God will show you things that this world can never, ever, ever show you. He'll teach you things. He'll give you those things in your life. That's what the Apostle Paul, you see, the underlying theme of his life was that God be glorified and not him. The unquestionable testimony of his heart was he spent time with God. He spent his time with God. God was the one that showed him things. God was the one that, that revealed these things to him. He goes on and he says, of such and one will I glory. Yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. He knows. If you don't recognize and realize, you see, part of his testimony is, is that he spent his time with God. God has revealed things to him and shown him things that nobody else could. He's not even sure he was completely in this world sometimes. The thing is, is that he realizes, he realizes that even though that God has taken the time to show him those things, he says, I know that I would desire to glory. I know the natural thing in me is, is to get the big head. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm special. God's shown me things he hasn't shown you. <laughs> I'm walking closer to God than you. I spend more time with God. He knows that he's got to be careful because in his flesh, his natural response is to show how he is, how successful he is, how strong he is, how he can sustain himself totally and completely without anybody else. Though I would desire to glory, yes, I shall not be a fool. <laughs> Yes, that desire is there, but I'm not going to be foolish enough to give in to it. You're just like every other human being. You'd like to be thought well of. I've never gone out trying to make people think bad of me. But what Paul said is, look, the whole theme of my life is not what you think of me, but it's what you think of him, that he can be glorified through my life that you can see more and more of God through me. It's not important. I need all the help, and I know. <laughs> I know. Yep, I'd have that desire. But I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth me. Paul knew. Not only was there the danger of him and his desires, but the danger of what others would do to exalt him, to give him a position. Paul's unquestionable testimony in his heart is that he spent time with God, and God is the one that he spent time with, and God is the one that must be glorified in his life, and he knows, I know I've got these fleshly weaknesses. I know that, you know, I could get to wanting the pat on the back, and I know that others may try to lift me into those places. The thing is, I wonder this morning, and this is just something that's so personal to each and every one. You see, the theme, the underlying theme of Paul's life 
was that God be glorified. You know, that's, that's, that's the very first thing that, <laughs> that even our patriotic fathers went before. That's the very first thing that they put in those things, that man's made to glorify God. Paul had that underlying theme in his life, but he had an unquestionable testimony of the time he spent with the Lord. I'm asking you today, do you know? Do you know? Please, do you know without a shadow of a doubt? Just like the apostle, you, you, you may not know everything about it, but boy, do you know that you met with him? There was a point in your life when you didn't just go through something religious, some ritual, something the church wanted you to do. You see, Paul realized he wasn't nothing, that he was a nothing. We must all come to realize we are sinners, totally, completely. But we've met with him. We met with him. I want you to know, I want you to have an unquestionable testimony today. You see, before you get to those problems that you're going to have in life, you better decide where your life's going. And if your life's going to go in the right direction, you need to have an unquestionable testimony that you've met with God. You've gone on your knees before him. You've cried out for mercy for God to forgive you of your sins. You can't just start doing all the things that you're supposed to do, getting on in life, and things be okay you know, I can, I kind of understand what he's talking about there when he says, you know, I don't know if this guy was in the flesh or in the spirit, if he was in heaven, if he was on earth, but I know who he was with. <laughs> I know who he was with. And, you know, I can kind of, I can kind of relate to that. <laughs> you know, I, I, I can remember the morning when I fell on my, on my face before God and asked him for forgiveness. <laughs> There's a lot of questions I have about that because I don't know what was going on except I knew that God had a hold of me and God was convicting of me and I knew that Jesus Christ was the only hope that I had in all of this world. And I promise you folks, I know without a shadow of a doubt that I met with God that day. And I trusted in Jesus Christ and his finished work alone. You can't just ease into this thing. Have you ever seen a baby get accidentally born? <laughs> really? <laughs> no way. <laughs> You don't get accidentally born again either. You meet with God. Before you get to the problems in life, where do you want your life to go? Do you want it to go with God or with you? Do you have an unquestionable testimony as the Apostle Paul did? You see, he's getting down to the end. But there's a lot of things happening in his life before he got to that problem. And he had an unquestionable, undeniable testimony where he had been with God. You need to know that today. Without a shadow of a doubt, I can't make that happen. Nobody can make that happen. But you need to know. You need to know. And, 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 and the truth is, is that only you can know. So he had this underlying theme that God be glorified, and he had this unquestionable testimony that he had been with God, that he was a child of God, that he belonged to God, that, you know, God had a place in his life that sometimes he didn't even fully understand it all. But, man, he knew it was God that was there. He knew without a shadow of a doubt. In verse 7, he says, Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. In other words, 
He said, man, all this is okay, but just in case, you see, God knows me better than me. Just in case I kind of start getting on my high horse, <laughs> just in case I start thinking more of myself than I should. Somebody was talking earlier this week, I can't even remember who it was, about the fact that, you know, so many times in life we're hearing on the one hand, I think it might have been some of the managerial meetings or something that Garcia had been that, and they're trying to tell you how grand you are and what how important you are and all these things about you, 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 you. And, of course, that's the world's view. But Paul's saying, God has to keep reminding me, keeping me down where I need to be so that I can be used of God. And so he's given me this thorn in the flesh, painful, challenging, something to keep me from getting exalted above measure, from me getting to think that I'm too important to God. You see... We see the underlying theme of his life and the unquestionable testimony, but we see here the unrelenting thorn. Pride is a real danger. The Bible tells us how dangerous that it is, how we think that, it's, it, and it can seep in in the, the sneakiest ways. You can do this. You don't need anybody else's help. You can do this better than anybody else. This church needs me more than it needs anybody else. <laughs> I'm more important. It can sneak in in so many little ways. Paul said, I've been given a thorn to prevent this. And what's interesting here is notice what he says. Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of who? Satan, <laughs> the messenger of Satan. Well, there's absolutely no doubt that Satan doesn't mean anything for good. So this problem that he has in his life, which we don't know what it is, but it's something that he says has been given by Satan, thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me. Does anybody remember when we've talked about that word before, what that word buffet means? Andrew, would you like me to buffet you? <laughs> it means to take a clenched fist. Bang, 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 bang. Don't get too close. <laughs> That's it. He said, Satan has given this to me to buffet me, to beat me, to beat me over the head, to knock it out of me to take his fist and just pound away at me. Yeah, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me. There is something, that thorn in the flesh, of course, it doesn't take a whole lot of imagination if you grab a hold of it, but it originally meant not just something on a plant like this, but anything pointed and sharp could be referred to as, as a thorn, even a stake sometimes. So it could be a whole lot bigger than that one. I'll tell you what, most of us wouldn't need anything any bigger than that. Grab a hold of it and find out how well that it gets a hold of you, okay? That thorn in the flesh, the apostle's thorn in the flesh. And, of course, that's denoting some things to us. One thing, a thorn in the flesh, that is, that is physically painful, so whatever this was that he had, he's giving us a picture 
that Satan has done something to try to harm him, to literally want to beat him down, to beat him up, to buffet him. It's painful, maybe even humiliating. And God's allowing this to be in my life? Why would God allow this? He says, lest I should be exalted above measure. You know that that lest I should be exalted above measure, just like the buffeting of Satan, they're both in the present tense right now. In other words, while the Apostle Paul was writing this, this was a present occurrence in his life, but it was something that was continually, constantly going on, repeating itself right now. This is something that's been happening, that's happening right now, that keeps on happening. It's there to stay. We find that this thorn in the flesh that he's talking about, a messenger of Satan being buffeted. In other words, he's trying to get us to say this is something in his life a problem that is extremely painful and it keeps going on and it doesn't let up because I want to promise you, you try it here if you've got any doubts following the service so you don't disrupt us, but stick your finger and see, stick it in there and just try to keep it there. Just try to let it carry on and on. He, he, you know, it's not a, a prick and suddenly it's gone. This is a continual thorn in his flesh that is there, that's a messenger of Satan that is meant to buffet him, that is meant to beat him down. What's the devil using in your life? Can we grasp and understand that, listen, bad things do happen to good people sometimes. Bad things happen to the best of people. We can go back, we can look at Job, we can see how he was the most upright man of his day, and yet... God allowed things into his life. Paul, Paul, even though that he's unquestionably one of the greatest servants of God that ever lived, that was used mightily of God, that is still used every time that we open our Bibles and read them, he's used of God over and over and over and over again. And yet, Paul said that God, even though I'm spending my life serving him, God has allowed Satan to bring this thorn into my life that is painful, that's hurt, that is there, and it keeps going on and on and on. Why? Why? Lest, lest I get too big for my pants. <laughs> lest I get to exalting myself and thinking a lot more of myself than I really should. I don't know what problem you might have in your life. And folks, I want you to grasp and understand that we don't have to know what the problem is. We don't have to even understand why it's there for every reason. But may I grasp, may you grasp this truth at least. The truth is it's not there even if it's a messenger of Satan, even if Satan is meaning it to beat you down, to pound you down, to knock you down. The truth is God is still in control. God's the one that's allowed it. Paul said God has allowed this in my life because I would be a lot less of a person without it. I would be less useful to God without it. The whole underlying theme of my life is that God would be glorified in my life. You might say, and, and I warn you. You see, if you don't want too much trouble from the devil, just keep living your life for yourself. <laughs> Do what makes you happy. 
Do what makes you successful. Do what makes you feel that you're doing what you need to do with your life. But the underlying theme of Paul's life, somehow God can be glorified in my life. His unquestionable testimony was that he had been with God, that God had revealed himself to him, and that God was using him, that he might be revealed to others through his life. He had this unrelenting thorn that was there in the flesh, that was constant, that was always there as a child of God. And yet, he goes on, he says, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me three times. I prayed earnestly that God would take this thing away. That's hard for us sometimes because a lot of times the Bible even teaches us our prayers are not answered just simply because we don't believe, because of a lack of faith. That wasn't the Apostle Paul's problem for sure. No. He said, I've been praying for this thing. But God has chosen not to answer. Instead of taking away the thorn, instead of removing that thorn, and you know, I, I had just a little tiny point off of one in my finger there a while ago, and it was hurting until I got a hold of it and pulled it out. But he says, instead of removing the thorn, instead of taking it away, you know, that's your natural instinct when you grab a hold of that thorn. What do I do with my thorns? <laughs> That's your natural instinct when you grab a hold of that thorn is to release it, to let go of it, to get it out. If you get one stuck in, to pull it out so that it quits hurting. But he said, this thorn in the flesh, it stays there. I prayed for God to take it out. I know God could remove it, but God's chosen not to. Instead of taking the thorn out, what did God say? And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. See, Paul's answer from God was not that I'm, I'm not going to remove the thorn from your life, but Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Because the hard thing is this, even though, even though that it might show my weakness to go over here and not be able to Move this piano by myself. Can't do it by myself. But the truth is, is that the job can be done when there's enough strength there to do it, when there's enough of us to do it. In this case, Paul's saying, in my weakness, they see other strength. In this case, we see God's strength. You see, it might show you how weak that I am, but it shows us how strong that we are together when we do it together. Paul's saying, look, hey, you know, it goes right back to the very, if, if, his, if the theme of his life was that he would look strong, that he would look mighty, that he would be seen as a great Christian, that he would never get to this part at the end. But the whole thing is, it's that God would be glorified. And if his unquestionable te testimony was that God will be glorified because he has spent time with God and God had revealed himself to him and God was the one that was making him and using him to do whatever it was that he was doing. There's no question about when people look at your life, do they know you spent time with God? Do they know without any shadow of a doubt? Or are you trying to convince them with words when they're not seeing it? We find that 
just because you've got problems in your life. Remember, if your life is being lived for him, if you undeniably have had time with him and you belong to him and you're with him, even though it may be from the devil himself trying to beat you down, God would not allow it to be there unless it was for your good, whatever it might be. In this case, so that God's strength could be seen instead of yours. <laughs> so that you could be seen to struggle through that. I relate this in closing to, I guess, a very personal thing in my own life. I used to question many times in my own dad's life because there was nothing he loved more than serving God and preaching God's word. <laughs> and I remember after so many heart attacks, and the doctor said, you got to quit. you got to quit. you got to stop. You can't do that anymore. And yet those of us that knew him best knew that that was the only thing that kept him going. <laughs> they didn't understand you know, his whole heart's desire was to do what God wanted him to do. And after some 10 heart attacks, God took him home. But I remember those times in the hospital. And yet, even as we're here this morning, and you know, I don't have unrealistic ideas. My dad was a man with his failings and his shortcomings like any other. But the one thing I do know is that he loved God and that he loved me and he loved us. <laughs> I knew that he wanted to be used of God and, you know, it never got him down. I can remember so many times going to the hospital when he was in there himself because he'd had another heart attack and he was supposed to be laying in his bed, and he's out there going up and down the, the halls, going in other people's rooms, trying to pray with them, encourage them, witness to them if they were lost. There's people in heaven today because he spent time in those hospitals. And he wouldn't have had it any other way. You know, I mean, as a, as a young man, I used to question, God, Why? I mean, I mean, you know, why, why, why? There's, you know, he just wants to live for you and preach for you. And do, why does, why does he have to go through this? Why does he have to have all these heart problems? You know, I don't know. Maybe that was the only way God had of getting to some of those people that he met. That he would never, his paths would never cross through. I don't know all the answers. I know this. I know that God knew exactly because God was in control. God is the one that will provide the grace for you. My grace is sufficient. We think we sing that song sometimes, give thanks with a grateful heart. <laughs> you know, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. The thing is with God, if the theme of our life is that he be glorified, if the testimony of our life is that we've been with him and he's the one that's changed our lives and he's enlightened us and shown us things that, that nobody else could. Even though that thorn is there, it's real, and it's unrelenting, the undeniable triumph that we have is through the Lord. He is our triumph, folks. The trouble is sometimes we have trouble because when Paul gets down to the end, I find it absolutely astounding even still. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I would rather. I would rather have these infirmities. I'd rather keep my thorn so that the power of Christ, so that I can be provided with that grace, that power that he's going to give me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, reproaches, necessities, persecutions, distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, 
then am I strong. We don't have to be strong in living a perfect life. Sometimes it's our love for him, our unquestionable testimony of the time that we spend with him, that that unrelenting thorn that we have in the flesh can be the very thing that helps us to let others see Christ through us, to seek him get us through the problem, through the struggle, through the storm. You know, have you ever just wanted, you've seen somebody that's hurting so bad, you just want to go and, man, you just want to take their problem away. I know. We all feel that way sometimes. But I just needed to be reminded this week and felt like that God would have me remind you this morning that, hey, problems are real. But in Christ, we have all the provision we need. His grace is sufficient. He can be seen strong in our weaknesses, that we can't do it, that we do need him, that he is the one that changed us, that he does make us a different person, that we can't do these things without him. Don't try to show the world how great you are at doing what you're doing. Let your life be glorifying him and showing showing them what great things that he's done both through you and for you and will do for them. Father, Lord, as we look at this familiar story again this morning, Lord, I thank you for the reminder of the Spirit. Lord, there's some real thorns in the flesh in this life. There's things that, Lord, we don't even know why. You know, so many times, even in this life, when we grab a hold of a thorn, it's usually by accident. It's not because we plan it. We don't see it. We don't know that it's there until it stuck us. And, Lord, so many of the problems in life are the same way. But, Lord, regardless of what Satan's reason might be to buffet us, to beat us down, Lord, I pray that you would just give us the courage, the faith, the confidence of knowing you are in control, Lord, and there's nothing in our lives that you can't take away. But if you're allowing this, there's a reason. Help us to glory in it. Help us that it would come right back to our theme of you being glorified in our lives because others can see your strength in our weakness. Well, we don't go out looking for problems, but I pray the problems that you do allow in our lives that we would be able, as the Apostle Paul did, to say, that's okay. I'd rather have that problem and have the Lord's presence and his strength be shown than for me just to show the world how strong that I am and how I can get through it. Help us, Lord. There may be somebody here this morning that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Oh, may this be the day, Lord, that they would come. They would change the course, the theme of their life. Lord, that they would be able to, maybe even this day, have that unquestionable testimony of meeting with you. Lord, touch lives. If there are those here that have problems right now that they are trying to get through, may it be a reminder, Lord, that your grace is sufficient. And sometimes it's in our weakness that your strength is seen the clearest. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.